Section seven of Over Prairie Trails by Frederick Philip Grove. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. Wind and Waves. When I awoke on the morning after the last described arrival at home, I thought of the angry glow in the east at sunrise of the day before it had been cold again overnight so cold that in the small cottage whatever was capable of freezing froze to its very core the frost had even penetrated the hole which in this teacher's residence made shift for a cellar and in spite of their being covered with layer upon layer of empty bags had sweetened the winter's supply of potatoes but towards morning there had been a let-up a sudden rise in temperature as we experience it so often coincident with a change in the direction of the wind which now blew rather briskly from the south foreboding a storm i got the horses ready at an early hour for i was going to try the roundabout way at last forty-five miles of it and never before had i gone over the whole of it in winter even in summer i had done so only once and that in a car when i had accompanied the school inspector on one of his trips i wanted to make sure that i should be ready in time to start at ten o'clock in the morning this new road had chiefly two features which recommended it to me firstly about thirty-eight miles out of forty-five led through a fairly well-settled district where i could hope to find a chain of short-haul trails the widest gap in this series of settlements was one of two miles where there was wild land the remaining seven miles it is true led across that wilderness on the east side of which lay bell's farm this piece however i knew so well that i felt sure of finding my way there by night or day in any reasonable kind of weather nor did i expect to find it badly drifted and secondly about twenty-nine miles from home i should pass within one mile of a town which boasted of boarding-house and livery stable offering thus in case of an emergency a convenient stopping-place i watched the sky rather anxiously not so much on my own account as because my wife seeing me start would worry a good deal should that start be made in foul weather at nine the sky began to get gray in spots shortly after a big cloud came sailing up and i went out to watch it and sure enough it had that altogether loose appearance with those wind-torn cottony appendages hanging down from its darker upper body which are sure to bring snow lower away in the south a rare thing to come from the south in our climate there lay a black squall cloud with a rounded outline like a big wind-bag resembling nothing so much as a fat boy's face with its cheeks blown out when he tries to fill a football with the pressure from his lungs that was an infallible sign the first cloud which was travelling fast might blow over the second larger one was sure to bring wind aplenty but still there was hope so long as it did not bring outright snow my wife would not worry so much here where she was the snow would not drift there was altogether too much bush she not having been much of an observer of the skies before dreaded the snowstorm more than the blizzard i knew the latter was what portended danger 
when i turned back into the house a new thought struck me i spoke to my wife who was putting up a lunch for me and proposed to take her and our little girl over to a neighbor's place a mile and a half west of the school those people were among the very few who had been decent to her and the visit would beguile the weary sunday afternoon she agreed at once so we all got ready i brought the horses out and hooked them up alone no trouble from them this morning they were quiet enough when they drank deep at the well a few whirls of snow had come down meanwhile not enough however as yet to show as a new layer on the older snow again a cloud had torn loose from that squall bag on the horizon and again it showed that cottony fringy whitish underlayer which meant snow i raised the top of the cutter and fastened the curtains by the time we three piled in the thin flakes were dancing all around again dusting our furs with their thin glittering crystals i bandied baby talk with the little girl to make things look cheerful but there was anguish in the young woman's look i saw that she would like to ask me to stay over till monday but she knew that i considered it my duty to get back to town by night the short drive to the neighbor's place was pleasant enough there was plenty of snow on this part of the correction line which farther east was bare and it was packed down by abundant traffic then came the parting i kissed wife and child and slowly accompanied by much waving of hands on the part of the little girl and a rather depressed-looking smile on that of my wife i turned on the yard and swung back to the road the cliffs of black poplar bowls engulfed me at once a sheltered grade but i had not yet gone very far a mile perhaps or a little over when the trees began to bend under the impact of that squall nearly at the same moment the sun which so far had been shining in an intermittent way was blotted from the sky and it turned almost dusky for a long while for more than an hour indeed it had seemed as if that black squall cloud were lying motionless at the horizon an anchored ship bulging at its wharf but then as if its moorings had been cast off or its sails unfurled it travelled up with amazing speed the wind had an easterly slant to it a rare thing with us for a wind from that quarter to bring a heavy storm the gale had hardly been blowing for ten or fifteen minutes when the snow began to whirl down it came in the tiniest possible flakes consisting this time of short needles that looked like miniature spindles strung with the smallest imaginable globules of ice no six-armed crystals that i could find so far many a snowstorm begins that way with us and there was even here in the chasm of the road a swing and dance to the flakes that bespoke the force of the wind above my total direction after i should have turned off the correction line lay to the south-east into the very teeth of the wind i had to make it by laps though first south then east then south again with the exception of six or seven miles across the wild land west of bell's corner there as nearly as i could hold the direction i should have to strike a true line south-east i timed my horses i could not possibly urge them on to-day 
they took about nine minutes to the mile and i knew i should have to give them many a walk that meant at best a drive of eight hours it would be dark before i reached town i did not mind that for i knew there would be many a night drive ahead and i felt sure that that half mile on the southern correction line one mile from town would have been gone over on saturday by quite a number of teams the snow settles down considerably too in thirty hours especially under the pressure of wind if a trail had been made over the drift i was confident my horses would find it without fail so i dismissed all anxiety on my own score but all the more did the thought of my wife worry me if only i could have made her see things with my own eyes but i could not she regarded me as an invalid whose health was undermined by a wasting illness and who needed nursing and coddling on the slightest provocation instead of drawing nature's inference that what cannot live should die she clung to the slender thread of life that sometimes threatened to break but never on these drives i often told her that if i could make my living by driving instead of teaching i should feel the stronger the healthier and the better for it my main problem would have been solved but she with a woman's instinct for shelter and home cowered down before every one of nature's menaces and yet she bore up with remarkable courage a mile or so before i came to the turn in my road the forest withdrew on both sides yielding space to the fields and elbow-room for the wind to unfold its wings as soon as its full force struck the cutter the curtains began to emit that crackling sound which indicates to the sailor that he has turned his craft as far into the wind as he can safely do without losing speed little ripples ran through the bulging canvas as yet i sat snug and sheltered within my left shoulder turned to the weather but soon i sighted dimly a curtain of trees that ran at right angles to my road behind it there stood a school building and beyond that i should have to turn south i gave the horses a walk i decided to give them a walk of five minutes for every hour they trotted along we reached the corner that way and i started them up again instantly things changed we met the wind at an angle of about thirty degrees from the southeast the air looked thick ahead i moved into the left-hand corner of the seat and though the full force of the wind did not strike me there the whirling snow did not respect my shelter it blew in slantways under the top then described a curve upward and downward again as if it were going to settle on the right end of the back but just before it touched the back it turned at a sharp angle and piled on to my right side a fair proportion of it reached my face which soon became wet and then caked over with ice there was a sting to the flakes which made them rather disagreeable my right eye kept closing up and i had to wipe it ever so often to keep it open the wind too for the first and only time on my drives somehow found an entrance into the lower part of the cutter box and though my feet were resting on the heater and my legs were wrapped first in woolen and then in leather leggings besides being covered with a good fur robe my left side soon began to feel the cold 
it may be that this comparative discomfort which i had to endure for the better part of the day somewhat coloured the kind of experience this drive became as far as the road was concerned i had as yet little to complain of about three miles from the turn there stood a lutheran church frequented by the russian germans that formed a settlement for miles around they had made the trail for me on these three miles and even for a matter of four or five miles south of the church as i found out it is that kind of a road which you want for long drives where others who have short drives and therefore do not need to consider their horses break the crust of the snow and pack it down i hoped that a goodly part of my day's trip would be in the nature of a chain of shorter much frequented stretches and on the whole i was not to be disappointed doubtless all my readers know how a country road that is covered with from two to three feet of snow will look when the trail is broken there is a smooth expanse mostly somewhat hardened at the surface and there are two deep-cut tracks in it each about ten to twelve inches wide sharply defined with the snow at the bottom packed down by the horses feet and the runners of the respective conveyances so long as you have such a trail and horses with road sense you do not need to worry about your directions no matter how badly it may blow horses that are used to travelling in the snow will never leave the trail for they dread nothing so much as breaking in on the sides this fact released my attention for other things now i thought again for a while of home of how my wife would be worrying how even the little girl would be infected by her nervousness how she would ask mamma is daddy in now but i did not care to follow up these thoughts too far they made me feel too soft after that i just sat there for a while and looked ahead but i saw only the whirl 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 of the snow slanting across my field of vision you are closed in by it as by insecure and ever receding walls when you drive in a snowstorm if i had met a team i could not have seen it and if my safety had depended on my discerning it in time to turn out of the road my safety would not have been very safe indeed but i could rely on my horses they would hear the bells of any encountering conveyance long enough ahead to betray it to me by their behaviour and should i not even notice that they would turn out in time of their own accord they had a great deal of road sense weariness overcame me in the open the howling and whistling of the wind always acts on me like a soporific inside of a house it is just the reverse i know nothing that will keep my nerves as much on edge and prevent me as certainly from sleeping as the voices at night of a gale around the buildings i needed something more definite to look at than that prospect ahead the snow was by this time piling in on the seat at my right and in the box so as to exclude all draughts except from below i felt that as a distinct advantage without any conscious intention i began to peer out below the slanting edge of the left side curtain and to watch the sharp crest wave of snow spray thrown by the curve of the runner where it cut into the freshly accumulating mass 
it looked like the wing wave thrown to either side by the bow of a power boat that cuts swiftly through quiet water from it my eye began to slip over to the snow expanse the road was wide lined with brush along the fence to the left the fields beyond had no very large open areas windbreaks had everywhere been spared out when the primeval forest had first been broken into by the early settlers so whatever the force of the wind might be no high drift layer could form but still the snow drifted there was enough coming down from above to supply material even on such a narrow strip as a road allowance it was the manner of this drifting that held my eye and my attention at last all this is of course utterly trivial i had observed it myself a hundred times before i observe it again to-day at this very writing in the first blizzard of the season it always has a strange fascination for me but maybe i need to apologize for setting it down in writing the wind would send the snowflakes at a sharp angle downward to the older surface there was no impact as there is with rain the flakes of course did not rebound but they did not come to rest either not for the most imperceptible fraction of time as soon as they touched the white underlying surface they would start to scud along horizontally at a most amazing speed forming with their previous path an obtuse angle so long as i watched the single flake which is quite a task especially while driving it seemed to be in a tremendous hurry it rushed along very nearly at the speed of the wind and that was considerable say between thirty-five and forty miles an hour or even more but then when it hit the trail the crack made by the horses and runners strange to say it did not fall down perpendicularly as it would have done had it acted there under the influence of gravity alone but it started on a curved path towards the lower edge of the opposite wall of the crack and there without touching the wall it started back first downward thus making the turn and then upward again towards the upper edge of the east wall and not in a straight line either but in a wavy curve rising very nearly but not quite to the edge and only then would it settle down against the eastern wall of the track helping to fill it in i watched this with all the utmost effort of attention of which i was capable i became intensely interested in my observations i even made sure as sure as anybody can be of anything that the whole of this curious path lay in the same perpendicular plane which ran from the southeast to the northwest that is to say in the direction of the main current of the wind i have since confirmed these observations many times i am aware of the fact that nobody nobody whom i know at least takes the slightest interest in such things people watch birds because some nature study cranks i am one of them urge it in the schools others will make desultory observations on weeds or native trees our school work in this respect seems to me to be most ridiculously and palpably superficial worst of all most of it is dry as dust and it leads nowhere i sometimes fear there is something wrong with my own mentality but to me it seems that the kingdom of heaven lies all around us and that most of us simply prefer the moving picture show
i have kept weather records for whole seasons brief notes on the everyday observations of mere nothings you for whom above all i am setting these things down will find them among my papers one day they would seem meaningless to most of my fellow-men i believe to me they are absorbingly interesting reading when once in a great while i pick an older record up and glance it over but this is digressing now slowly slowly another fact came home to me this unanimous synchronous march of all the flakes coming down over hundreds of square miles and i was watching it myself over miles upon miles of road in spite of the fact that every single flake seemed to be in the greatest possible hurry was judged as a whole nevertheless an exceedingly leisurely process in one respect it reminded me of bees swarming watch the single bee and it seems to fly at its utmost speed watch the swarm and it seems to be merely floating along the reason of course is entirely different the bees wheel and circle around individually the whole swarm revolves if i remember right burroughs has well described it as what has he not footnote yes i looked it up see the pastoral bees in locusts and wild honey End of footnote but the snow will not change its direction while drifting in a wind that blows straight ahead its direction is from first to last the resultant of the direction of the wind and that of the pull of gravity into which there enters besides only the ratio of the strengths of these two forces the single snowflake is to the indifferent eye something infinitesimal too small to take individual notice of once it reaches the ground for most of us it hardly has any separate existence however it may be to more astute observers we see the flakes in the mass and we judge by results now firstly to talk of results the filling up of a hollow unless the drifting snow is simply picked up from the ground where it lay already from previous falls proceeds itself rather slowly and in quite a leisurely way but secondly and this is the more important reason the wind blows in waves of greater and lesser density these waves and i do not know whether this observation has ever been recorded though doubtless it has been made by better observers than i am these waves i say are propagated in a direction opposite to that of the wind they are like sound waves sent into the teeth of the wind only they travel more slowly anyone who has observed a really splashing rain on smooth ground on a cement sidewalk for instance must have observed that the rebounding drops like those that are falling form streaks because they too are arranged in vertical layers or sheets of greater and lesser density or maybe the term frequency would be more appropriate and these streaks travel as compared with the wind and as compared with its direction they travel against it it is this that causes the curious criss-cross pattern of falling and rebounding rain streaks in heavy showers quite likely there are more competent observers who might analyze these phenomena better than i can do it but if nobody else does maybe i shall one day make public a little volume containing observations on our summer rains but again i am digressing 
the snow then hits the surface of the older layers in waves no matter whether the snow is freshly falling or merely drifting and it is these waves that you notice most distinctly although they travel with the wind when you compare their position with points on the ground yet when compared with the rushing air above it becomes clear that they travel against it the waves i say not the flakes the single flake never stops in its career except as it may be retarded by friction and other resistances but the aggregation of the multitudes of flakes which varies constantly in its substance creates the impression as if the snow traveled very much more slowly than in reality it does in other words every single flake carried on by inertia constantly passes from one air wave to the next one but the waves themselves remain relatively stationary they swing along in undulating comparatively slow-moving sheets which may simply be retarded behind the speed of the wind but more probably form an actual reaction set up by a positive force counteracting the wind whatever its origin may be when at last i had fully satisfied my mind as to the somewhat complicated mechanics of this thing i settled back in my seat against a cushion of snow that had meanwhile piled in behind my spine if i remember right i had by this time well passed the church but for a while longer i looked out through the triangular opening between the door of the cutter and the curtain i did not watch snowflakes or waves any longer but i matured an impression at last it ripened into words yes the snow as figured in the waves crawled over the ground there was in the image that engraved itself on my memory something cruel i could not help thinking of the cruel crawling foam and the ruminating pedant ruskin and i laughed the cruel crawling snow yes and in spite of ruskin and his pathetic fallacy there it was of course the snow is not cruel of course it merely is propelled by something which according to karl pearson i do not even with a good scientific conscience dare to call a force any longer but nevertheless it made the impression of cruelty and in that lay its fascination and beauty it even reminded me of a cat slowly reaching out with armed claw for the innocent bird but the cat is not cruel either we merely call it so oh for the juggling of words suddenly my horses brought up on a farmyard they had followed the last of the churchgoers trails had not seen any other trail ahead and faithfully done their horse duty by staying on what they considered to be the road i had reached the northern limit of that two-mile stretch of wild land in summer there is a distinct and good road here but for the present the snow had engulfed it when i had turned back to the bend of the trail i was for the first time against a small fraction of what was to come no trail and no possibility of telling the direction in which i was going fortunately i realized the difficulty right from the start before setting out i looked back to the farm and took my bearings from the fence of the front yard which ran north-south 
then i tried to hold to the line thus gained as best i could it was by no means an easy matter for i had to wind my weary way around old and new drifts brush and trees the horses were mostly up to their knees in snow carefully lifting their hind legs to place them in the cavities which their forelegs made occasionally much as i tried to avoid it i had to make a short dash through a snow dam thrown up over brush that seemed to encircle me completely the going to be sure was not so heavy as it had been the day before on the corner of the marsh but on the other hand i could not see as far beyond the horses heads and had i been able to see the less conspicuous landmarks would not have helped me since i did not know them it took us about an hour to cross this untilled and unfenced strip i came out on the next crossroad not more than two hundred yards east of where i should have come out i considered that excellent but i soon was to understand that it was owing only to the fact that so far i had had no flying drifts to go through up to this point the snow was crawling only wherever the thicket opened up a little what blinded my vision had so far been only the new falling snow i am sure i looked like a snowman whenever i shook my big gauntlets bare a cloud of exceedingly fine and hard snow crystals would hit my face and seeing how much i still had a head i cannot say that i liked the sensation i was getting thoroughly chilled by this time the mercury probably stood at somewhere between minus ten and twenty the very next week i made one trip at forty below a thermometer which i saw and the accuracy of which i have no reason to doubt showed minus forty-eight degrees anyway it was the coldest night of the winter but i was not to suffer then i remember how about five in the morning when i neared the northern correction line my lips began to stiffen hard frozen patches formed on my cheeks and i had to allow the horses to rub their noses on fence posts or trees every now and then to knock the big icicles off and to prevent them from freezing up altogether but my feet and my hands and my body kept warm for there was no wind on drives like these your well-being depends largely on the state of your feet and hands but on this return trip i surely did suffer every now and then my fingers would turn curd white and i had to remove my gauntlets and gloves and to thrust my hands under my wraps next to my body i also froze two toes rather badly but what i remember as particularly disagreeable was that somehow my scalp got chilled slowly slowly the wind seemed to burrow its way under my fur cap and into my hair after a while it became impossible for me to move scalp or brows one side of my face was now thickly caked over with ice which protected but also on account of its stiffness caused a minor discomfort so far however i had managed to keep both my eyes at work and for a short while i needed them just now we were crossing a drift which had apparently not been broken into since it had first been piled up the previous week such drifts are dangerous because they will bear up for a while under the horse's weight and then the hard-pressed crust will break and reveal a softer core inside 
just that happened here and exactly at a moment too when the drifting snow caught me with its full force and at its full height it was a quarter minute of stumbling jumping pulling one against the other and then a rally and we emerged in front of a farmyard from which a fairly fresh trail led south this trail was filled in it is true for the wind here pitched the snow by the shovelful but the difference in color between the pure white new snow that filled it and the older surface to both sides made it sufficiently distinct for the horses to guide them they plodded along here miles upon miles of open fields lay to the southeast and the snow that fell over all these fields was at once picked up by the wind and started its irresistible march to the northwest and no longer did it crawl since it was bound upon a long-distance trip somewhere in its career it would be caught in an upward sweep of the wind and thrown aloft and then it would hurtle along at the speed of the wind blotting everything from sight hitting hard whatever it encountered and piling in wherever it found a sheltered space the height of this drifting snow varies of course directly and jointly here the teacher makes fun of his mathematics as the amount of loose snow available and as the carrying force of the wind many many years ago i once saved the day by climbing onto the seat of my cutter and looking around from this vantage point i was lost and had no idea of where i was there was no snowstorm going on at the time but a recent snowfall was being driven along by a merciless northern gale as soon as i stood erect on my seat my head reached into a less dense drift layer and i could clearly discern a farmhouse not more than a few hundred yards away i had been on the point of accepting it as a fact that i was lost those tactics would not have done on this particular day there being the snowstorm to reckon with for the moment not being lost i was in no need of them anyway but even later the possible but doubtful advantage to be gained by them seemed more than offset by the great and certain disadvantage of having to get out of my robes and to expose myself to the chilling wind this north-south road was in the future invariably to seem endlessly long to me there were no very prominent landmarks a school somewhere and there was hardly any change in the monotony of driving as for landmarks i should mention that there was one more at least about two miles from the turn into that town which i have mentioned i crossed a bridge and beyond this bridge the trail sloped sharply up in an s-shaped curve to a level about twenty or twenty-five feet higher than that of the road along which i had been driving the bridge had a rail on its west side but the other rail had been broken down in some accident and had never been replaced i mention this trifle because it became important in an incident during the last drive which i am going to describe on we went we passed the school of which i did not see much except the flagpole and then we came to the crossroads where the trail bent west into the town if i had known the road more thoroughly i should have turned there too it would have added another two miles to my already overlong trip but i invariably did it later on 
firstly the horses will rest up much more completely when put into a stable for feeding and secondly there always radiate from a town fairly well-beaten trails it is a mistake to cut across from one such trail to another the straight road though much shorter is apt to be entirely untraveled and to break trail after a heavy snowstorm is about as hard a task as any that you can put your team up against i had the road there was no mistaking it it ran along between trees and fences which were plainly visible but there were ditches and brush buried under the snow which covered the grade to a depth of maybe three feet and every bit of these drifts was of that treacherous character that i have described if you look at some small drift piled up maybe against the glass pane of a storm window you can plainly see how the snow even in such a miniature pile preserves the stratified appearance which is the consequence of its being laid down in layers of varying density now after it has been lying for some time it will form a crust on top which is sometimes the effect of wind pressure and sometimes under favorable conditions of superficial glaciation a similar condensation takes place at the bottom as the result of the work of gravity a harder core will form between the two there is layer upon layer of comparatively softer snow in these softer layers the differences which are due to the stratified precipitation still remain and frequently they will make the going particularly uncertain for a horse will break through in stages only he thinks that he has reached the carrying stratum gets ready to take his next step thereby throwing his whole weight on two or at best three feet and just when he is off his balance there is another caving in i believe it is this that makes horses so nervous when crossing drifts later on in the winter there is of course the additional complication of successive snowfalls the layers from this cause are usually clearly discernible by differences in color i have never figured out just how far i went along this entirely unbroken road but i believe it must have been for two miles I know that my horses were pretty well spent by the time we hit upon another trail. It goes without saying that this trail, too, though it came from town, had not been gone over during the day, and therefore consisted of nothing but a pair of whiter ribbons on the drifts. But underneath these ribbons the snow was packed. Hardly anybody cares to be out on a day like that, not even for a short drive and though in this respect i differ in my tastes from other people provided i can keep myself from actually getting chilled even i began to feel rather forlorn and that is saying a good deal a few hundred yards beyond the point where we had hit upon this new trail which was only faintly visible the horses turned eastward onto a field between two posts the wire of the fence had been taken down and since i could not see any trail leading along the road further south i let my horses have their will i knew the farm on which we were it was famous all around for its splendid purebred beef cattle herd 
i had not counted on crossing it but i knew that after a mile of this field trail i should emerge on the farmyard and since i was particularly well acquainted with the trail from there across the wild land to bell's corner it suited me to do as my horses suggested as a matter of fact this trail became with the exception of one drive my regular route for the rest of the winter never again was i to meet with the slightest mishap on this particular run but to-day i was to come as near getting lost as i ever came during the winter on those drives to and from the north for the next ten minutes i watched the work of the wind on the open field as is always the case with me i was not content with recording a mere observation i had watched the thing a hundred times before observing means to me as much finding words to express what i see as it means the seeing itself now when a housewife takes a thin sheet that is lying on the bed and shakes it up without changing its horizontal position the running waves of air caught under the cloth will throw it into a motion very similar to that which the wind imparts to the snow sheets only that the snow sheets will run down instead of up under a good head of wind there is a vehemence in this motion that suggests anger and a violent disposition the sheets of snow are flapped down then suddenly the direction of the wind changes slightly and the sheet is no longer flapped down but blown up at the line where the two motions join we have that edge the appearance of which suggested to me the comparison with exfoliated rock in a previous paper it is for this particular stage in the process of bringing about that appearance that i tentatively proposed the term adfoliation adfoliated edges are always to be found on the lee side of the sheet sometimes however the opposite process will bring about nearly the same result the snow sheet has been spread and a downward sweep of violent wind will hit the surface denting it scraping away an edge of the top layer and usually gripping through into lower layers then rebounding it will lift the whole sheet up again or any part of it and shattering it into its component crystals will throw these aloft and afar to be laid down again further on this is true exfoliation since it takes a more violent burst of wind to effect this true exfoliation than it does to bring about the adfoliation and since further the snow once indented will yield to the depth of several layers the true exfoliation edges are usually thicker than the others and of course they are always to be found on the wind side both kinds of lines are wavy lines because the sheets of wind are undulating in this connection i might repeat once more that the straight line seems to be quite unknown in nature as also is uniformity of motion i once watched very carefully a ferry cable strung across the bottom of a mighty river and failing to discover any theoretical reason for its vibratory motion i was thrown back upon proving to my own satisfaction that the motion even of that flowing water in the river was the motion of a pulse and i still believe that my experiments were conclusive 
everybody of course is familiar with the vibrations of telephone wires in a breeze that humming sound which they emit would indeed be hard to explain without the assumption of a pulsating blow of course it is easy to prove this pulsation in air from certain further observations which i do not care to speak about at present i am inclined to assume a pulsating arrangement or an alternation of layers of greater and lesser density in all organized that is crystalline matter for instance in even such an apparently uniform block as a lump of metallic gold or copper or iron this arrangement of course may be disturbed by artificial means but if it is the matter seems to be in an unstable condition as is proved for instance by the sudden unexpected breaking of apparently perfectly sound steel rails there seems to be a condition of matter which so far we have largely failed to take into account or to utilize in human affairs i reached the yard crossed it and swung out through the front gate nowhere was anybody to be seen the yard itself is sheltered by a curtain of splendid wild trees to the north the east and the south so i had a breathing spell for a few minutes i could also clearly see the gap in this windbreak through which i must reach the open i think i mentioned that on the previous drive going north i had found the road four or five miles east of here very good indeed but the reason had been that just this windbreak which angles over to what i have been calling the twelve-mile bridge prevented all serious drifting while the wind came from the north today i was to find things different for to the south the land was altogether open the force of the wind alone was sufficient to pull the horses back to a walk before we even had quite reached the open plain it was a little after four when i crossed the gap and i knew that i should have to make the greater part of what remained in darkness i was about twelve miles from town i should judge the horses had not been fed so as soon as i saw how things were i turned back into the shelter of the bluff to feed i might have gone to the farm but i was afraid it would cost too much time after this i always went into town and fed in the stable while the horses were eating and resting i cleaned the cutter of snow looked after my foot-warmer and by tramping about and kicking against the tree-trunks tried to get my benumbed circulation started again my own lunch on examination proved to be frozen into one hard solid lump so i decided to go without it and to save it for my supper at half-past four we crossed the gap in the bluffs for the second time words fail me to describe or even to suggest the fury of the blast and of the drift into which we emerged for a moment i thought the top of the cutter would be blown off with the twilight that had set in the wind had increased to a baffling degree the horses came as near as they ever came in any weather to turning on me and refusing to face the gale and what with my blurred vision the twisting and dodging about of the horses and the gathering dusk i soon did not know any longer where i was there was ample opportunity to go wrong 
copses single trees and burnt stumps which dotted the wilderness had a knack of looming up with startling suddenness in front of or on the side sometimes dangerously close to the cutter it was impossible to look straight ahead because the ice crystals which mimicked snow cut right into my eyes and made my lids smart with soreness underfoot the rough ground seemed like a heaving sea the horses would stumble and the cutter would pitch over from one side to the other in the most alarming way i saw no remedy it was useless to try to avoid the obstacles only once did i do so and that time i had to back away from a high stump against which my drawbar had brought up the pitching and rolling of the cutter repeatedly shook me out of my robes and if when starting up again from the bluff i had felt a trifle more comfortable that increment of consolation was soon lost we wallowed about there is only this word to suggest the motion to all intents and purposes i was lost but still there was one thing provided it had not changed to tell me the approximate direction the wind it had been coming from the south southeast so by driving along very nearly into its teeth i could so i thought not help emerging on the road to town repeatedly i wished i had taken the old trail that fearful drift in the bush beyond the creek i thought surely had settled down somewhat in twenty-four hours footnote as a matter of fact i was to see it once more before the winter was over and i found it settled down to about one-third its original height this was partly the result of superficial thawing but still even then shortly before the final thaw up it looked formidable enough End of footnote. i had had as much or more of unbroken trail to-day as on the day before on the whole though i still believed that the four miles across the corner of the marsh south of the creek had been without a parallel in their demands on the horse's endurance and gradually i came to see that after all the horses probably would have given out before this under the cumulative effect of two days of it had they not found things somewhat more endurable to-day we wallowed along and then we stopped i shouted to the horses nothing but a shout could have the slightest effect against the wind they started to fidget and to dance and to turn this way and that but they would not go i wasted three or four minutes before i shook free of my robes and jumped out to investigate well we were in the corner formed by two fences caught as in a trap i was dumbfounded i did not know of any fence in these parts of none where i thought i should be and how had we got into it i had not passed through any gate there was of course no use in conjecturing if the wind had not veered around completely one of the fences must run north-south the other one east-west and we were in the southeast corner of some farm where there was a fence i was likely to find a farmyard it could not be to the east so there remained three guesses i turned back to the west i skirted the fence closely so closely that even in the failing light and in spite of the drifting snow i did not lose sight of it soon the going began to be less rough 
the choppy motion of the cutter seemed to indicate that we were on fall ploughed land and not much later peter gave a snort we were apparently nearing a group of buildings i heard the heavy thump of galloping horses and a second later i saw a light which moved i hailed the man and he came over and answered my questions yes the wind had turned somewhat it came nearly from the east now so that was what had misled me i was only half a mile west of my old trail but still for all that nearly twelve miles from town in this there was good news as well as bad i remembered the place now just south of the twelve-mile bridge i had often caught sight of it to the west instead of crossing the wild land along its diagonal i had deceived by the changed direction of the wind skirted its northern edge holding close to the line of poplars i thought of the fence yes the man who answered my questions was renting from the owner of that purebred angus herd he was hauling wood for him and had taken the fence on the west side down i had passed between two posts without noticing them he showed me the south gate and gave me the general direction he even offered my horses water which they drank eagerly enough but he did not offer bed and stable-room for the night nor did he open the gate for me as i had hoped he would i should have declined the night's accommodation but i should have been grateful for a helping hand at the gate i had to get out of my wraps to open it and meanwhile i had been getting out and in so often that i did no longer even care to clean my feet of snow i simply pushed the heater aside so as to prevent it from melting i bundled in that word borrowed from an angry lady describes my mood perhaps better than anything else i might say and yet though what followed was not exactly pleasure my troubles were over for the day the horses of course still had a weary weary time of it but as soon as we got back to our old trail which we presently did they knew the road at least i saw that the very moment we reached it by the way they turned on to it and stepped out more briskly from this point we had about eleven miles to make and every step of it was made at a walk i cannot of course say much about the road there was nothing for me to do except as best i could to fight the wind i got my tarpaulin out from under the seat and spread it over myself i verily believe i nodded repeatedly it did not matter i knew that the horses would take me home and since it was absolutely dark i could not have helped it had they lost their way a few times thinking that i noticed an improvement in the road i tried to speed the horses up but when dan at last in an attempt to respond went down on his knees i gave it up sometimes we pitched and rolled again for a space but mostly things went quietly enough the wind made a curious sound something between an infuriated whistle and the sibilant noise a man makes when he draws his breath in sharply between his teeth i do not know how long we may have been going that way but i remember how at last suddenly and gradually i realized that there was a change in our motion suddenly i say for the realization of the change came as a surprise probably i had been nodding and i started up 
gradually for i believe it took me quite an appreciable time before i awoke to the fact that the horses at last were trotting it was a weary slow jogging trot but it electrified me for i knew at once that we were on our very last mile i strained my eyesight but i could see no light ahead in fact we were crossing the bridge before i saw the first light of the town the livery stable was deserted i had to open the doors to drive in to unhitch to unharness and to feed the horses myself and then i went home to my cold and lonesome house it was a cheerless night End of section seven.